All right, we're going to read uh, verses 4 down through verse verse 11, and I'm covering today verses 7 through 9, entitled False Teachers Part 1, and I'll be covering uh, False Teachers Part 2 next week to close out the epistle of Second John. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. And this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that you do not lose those things where you worked out for you, but that you may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses or goes ahead and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. That's going to be fun to deal with that next week. <laughs> for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Hmm. Okay, I'm glad I'm not teaching. I am teaching next week. <laughs> so, careful on inviting on safe. But anyway, we'll be over next week. Margaret and I will have to pay close attention to those sources in terms of their application. All right, so let's begin this. Uh, so the title is Love and Obedience. And here's some, some scenario points. And addressing the lady who may have been approached by those who were attempting to deceive her. I think that gets into today's lesson, actually. And Andrew mentioned that. I thought that was a good theme to kind of represent the interpretation of the verses that precede this week's lesson. John hey, reminds Mark. us that we are to love one another. I mean, have we been there before with him? <laughs> I think that's kind of a repeated message, isn't it? So the first point is that John reminds us through the potential deception of this lady to whom the scripture is written that we are to love one another and again we mentioned that that's a common theme that john has brought before us okay let me get over here now all right and so love is walking uh or keeping his commandments and so how do we do this i think we follow verses this verse is questions i'm sorry okay Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not read. Oh, wait a minute. This one. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ <coughs> does not have God. So, Marin, uh, we're hearing you. So, uh, Oh. So, Colossians 2, 6, 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding with thanksgiving. So that's how we keep his commandments by walking in him. That seems very straightforward, doesn't it? But sometimes it becomes quite a challenge in our day-to-day -day existence. All right, turning to this week's lesson, False Teachers Part 1, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So, describe the deceiver and those who surround us today. There are plenty of those out there, I think, aren't there? How would we describe a deceiver? Well, it's just uh, 
defined right there in the verse, one who right. does not confess well, yes. Jesus Christ. Right. Okay. Come, and come in flesh. To what extent? <laughs> Denying his incarnation. Um, and, uh, you know, all these Gnostic ideas that were going around back then. Um, that Christ was just a, a phantom mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Um, okay, what, what are some common manifestations of that today? Well, we, we have different cults that, that deny the deity of Christ. They okay. say he's the absence of the deity. Okay, what, what else? Um, they deny the resurrection. Res resurrection. Okay. All right. The resurrection is the pleaded act of God in terms right. of the eternal covenant. Um, what else? <clears throat> a great prophet, a great yeah. teacher. Yeah, right. Uh, again, that's in a sense denying the deity. Right. right. So lots of ways we can be deceived. But, you know, these were ongoing individuals in John's time. So, you know, I think this can be obvious or it can be covert. I think, think about, uh, I'm in Jeremiah right now, in the McGee study in the car, which I listen to pretty continuously. It's amazing how Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the things that he brings up with Israel are really very prominent in today's Christian <laughs> environment that we live in. Uh, but, but all, all that aside, I mean, the idea that, uh, this deception could be really extremely obvious, but be covert and really somewhat hidden. And in the body of Christ today, I think it often, is a way that Satan uses it to deceive the body as a whole in terms mm -hmm. of the sound doctrine that we have scripturally. So I think it, it may be in a wide variety of ways. So to continue in, in, uh, in the text to see what it represents it, 2 Corinthians 6, 8 says, by honor and dishonor, talks about being deceived by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true. <laughs> so it, it could even be, you know, kindly falsely, you know, identified as scriptural truth, but in fact, not be so. And then ultimately, 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit expressly says that the, the in later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So kind of this is an omnipresence existence, and clearly, uh, you know, the verse says they've gone out into the world and there were many. Notice it, it says, the verse says, there were many deceivers have gone out into the world. They were already there that John was experiencing. And I think we'll see in a different part of this lesson this week that ultimately Paul and Peter also refer to these deceivers in Antichrist there. James. Don't deceivers start out in the church, you know, and then they go out from the church and deceive other people, but they, they start out and they look like Christians. Yes, they seem to be, you know, but there's something a little different about their their what they're proclaiming. Yeah, and I think McGee points that out very well. Is that within the bodies probably where Satan does his greatest work. Yeah, I mean the non-believer, the um, you know the atheist or you know agnostic out there, pretty easily to identify. Mm. I mean, Margaret and I interact with the world a lot, and so they're clearly identified for having no relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ at all, maybe not even believing he ever existed. I mean, there's some people doubt that he ever existed. This is just a myth. So, I mean, but that those are obvious. But don't we have really, even denominations, I mean, that have churches and everything who, who don't, who don't say he's deity. 
I mean, it's so covert that they, and they have big congregations. Sure. Because mm-hmm. they, they're talking about more social issues or, you know, they have a big food bank or whatever they have. I mean, you know, but they're whole denominations. Under the guise of church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really covert. Yeah. All right. Let's continue then. Another text that deals with the Second Peter two one. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Well, we're not seeing the swift destruction today, <laughs> but uh, many times these people carry on for decades in terms of their false messages. Swift is relative. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like he's coming quickly. Well, that means very fast when he comes, right? Okay, so I think Andrew hit the nail on the head. Who do not confess Jesus Christ to come in the flesh. I mean, so Andrew, how do you interpret the flesh? I mean, is this is a human body? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, as a human being. Right. Uh, you know, Christmas time and the manger and all that. Sure. All right. But would they deny the existence of the physical Jesus, a human uh, individual? Well, I think they might have uh, said, yeah, he came in the flesh, but he wasn't God. Okay. That's in the flesh. Right. But there are yeah. people who even doubt that there was ever a Jesus. I've, I've heard that proclaimed, that this is all of this fairy tale all right good and what does it mean to confess it this is present active do not confess right now to declare openly speak out freely isn't it interesting what confession really relates to in terms of its greek interpretation it means to declare openly that means you you support the gospel by word and i'm i'm going to ask a question what about those who do not speak out freely I mean, Margaret and I discussed this a lot. There's kind of a generation that came before us that their faith was kind of private, it seemed. You know, my faith is to myself. Now, we accept that they were saved, but they just didn't speak out. They didn't confess that. And there was no real way to tell that other than they claimed to be a believer. I mean, it's so to be saved, does one have to speak out to defend your faith? No, no, it's not a demand, though, but it's certainly something here that we're expecting people who are in the body to be able to express. So anyway, we won't answer that question. So and notice, despite the recent history of John's personal experience and reports that many have witnessed uh, this kind of false teacher, they deny the existence of the true son of man and son of God. So I think that gets to the, the deity, as Andrew has mentioned. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us, uh, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.51, and he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, you shall sit as you see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's he's speaking to Nathaniel shortly after his ministry began. And then John 1, 34, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And on and on. We, you know, the fact that the, the epistles of John really reflected importantly the physical life of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we, you know, remember that 
text began in First John one about who we have seen and we've heard, etc. So uh, this, I think, is ultimately something that these deceivers don't necessarily bond to. And this is a deceiver and an antichrist. So what do you think here? So can we always equate a deceiver to an antichrist? The verse says. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Roy, what are your thoughts about that? I'm sorry, were you asking me a question? Yeah, I was saying, <laughs> can, can we always equate a deceiver to an antichrist? Well, according to this verse, it is this type of an individual, specifically, that is the Antichrist. Okay, but we all think of one Antichrist, but John speaks of many Antichrists, right? Right. So but anyone then, who's a deceiver, a non-believer in the Son of Man and the Son of God as being God's gift to human existence with the eternal covenant to carry out his task ultimately is an antichrist. There are lots of antichrists there. <laughs> the world's full of them, right? Well, it's, it's literally, you know, it's against Christ, right? So yeah. if a deceiver is deceiving you about Christ, he's against Christ, right? But don't you think there's, a, in, in, in Christianity, it's kind of an oversimplification. Everybody thinks about the antichrist well, without yeah. thinking every non-believer is an antichrist? Well, well, actually, it should make us think that, <laughs> that we, you know, people that that deny who Christ is, they are actually, if you deny him, you're against me. You know, you can't be in between. You can't right. say, I'm on the, I'll, I'll stand on the fence. You gotta decide, are you with me? Are you against me? Are you for me or against me? Black or white, right? I, no gray. I know, right? There's no, there's no gray believers, right? <laughs> so let's look at a couple of verses uh, like I like to do to support claims. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ he is Antichrist who denies right. the Father and the Son. We've seen John tell us about that in his first epistle. And in chapter 2, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Interesting. So John again repeats the fact that this verse stands for itself. A deceiver is an Antichrist. All right, on to verse 8 then, look to yourselves that you do not lose those things we work for, but that you may receive a full reward. This is kind of a fun verse in a couple of ways. Look is an imperative. Look to yourselves or each one of ourselves. We're to look right now and not to anyone else. And why? We not to judge our brother. <laughs> That's another topic to deal with. Hey, Bob. Yes. Um, we were just talking about this while the mic was off uh, to include uh, people who say, "I'm good enough. Uh, I don't need Christ." Um, there's a whole world of this going on around us, isn't there? Uh, that uh, there's even like Ovaltine ads and stuff. You know, you're good. Well, that's the world of self-righteousness. Austin, yeah. My brother anyway. that he did a lot of good things. I mean, he, I don't need a savior. I mean, I don't need a savior. Yeah. 
Yeah, so let's let's see uh, how scripture really relates to this. Matthew 24, 4 and 5, which deals with uh, um, kind of the future prophetic aspect of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Hebrews 12, 15, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this may become, the, and many become defiled. I think that relates to us as, as ministers of the gospel. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. In Revelation 3, 11 to the Church of Philadelphia, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast with what you have that no one may take your crown. So the concept here is we individually have a responsibility and making sure we're not individually deceived. And I think these verses point to the fact that we have to be scripturally sound in our own faith, not to be deceived so easily by the deceivers who are surrounding us. Hey, Bob. Yes. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 3 says that we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Maybe it's not that way. Anyway, he's the one that transforms us into Christ's image. When we're looking at Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit does that work in us. Uh, what a contrast that is to what you just, you know, put up there in those verses. Isn't that something? I mean, it's satanic deception. Right, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit is not really exemplified in these verses, but we know scripturally and soundly that the, the scripture indicates the Spirit's what leads us in all truth in the Lord Jesus, the new life we have in Him. Right. Good point. All right, so the next uh, part of this verse, that you do not lose those things we worked out for you. Kind of an interesting verse in a way, that you do not lose the subjunctive, so it's possible you could lose it, right? Of those things we worked for you, errors indicative, meaning that's fact. There have been things that have been worked out already they have application. You don't want to lose those things. So here, let's drill down on this a little bit. Who is we and what things were worked for? What, what's everybody's thoughts about that? Who, who is John referring to in terms of we? Uh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Who else, maybe? I mean, not always believers. There's no question it's a believer. Maybe the elders of the church that they worked for to could be into the, into the people who are listening to them. Like we're looking to Roger and Mike here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. well, all the all the teachers, you know. Well, the key may be that uh, there are rewards involved, and he's not going to reward unbelievers. These are believers. There's no question they're believers. So I raised a couple of questions on my own. Maybe I'm out in left field here someplace. But was he maybe referring to just those apostles who really have scripturally led us along this path? We're talking about John, Paul, Peter. Uh, Jude, maybe, perhaps. I mean, maybe that's possible. So let's look at a little evidence of that. Philippians 3.16, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us uh, walk by the same. So there's, you know, Paul is encouraging us to ultimately not lose those things that he's encouraged us to walk in. First Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant. Your 
adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So here's Peter encouraging us to be well-founded in the faith. And then John, I mean, I don't need to repeat that. John, his entire epistles really kind of encourage us to be well-founded in scriptural truth. So I think we could, in fact, relate to the apostles who have shared the wisdom of God in scripture. Now, it could have a different. Jim, you look like you're ready to say something. You, you ready? No, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> or, or perhaps we has a broader interpretation. I think you know, was it Margaret? Somebody said it's it's we as believers. I think there's some truth there. And I thought uh, Jason Fawcett and Brown, which I think is a pretty good commentary. Actually, I, I think they're right on in most things that they they have. So they say. The we being seemingly the more difficult reading is less likely to have been a transcriber's alteration. Look that ye lose not the believing state of truth and love, which we as God's workmen. Now, can you interpret that? I, I, it's, it's, it's a complicated kind of scenario. But, you know, he, he, he tends to think that we is not necessarily the person who's writing the scripture, but has a much broader implication. So 2 Corinthians 6, 1, we then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, I, I think that, um, you know, that has, I think, broader implications as 2 Timothy 2, 15 does. Be diligent and to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think what, what J, F, and B are kind of saying is a, a potentially a broader implication relates to all of us. And so Margaret's comment about it's the body itself. Uh, I mean, it relates to the apostles and their teaching through scripture. But, you know, the, what we've, you know, done here to further the gospel, remember that, that look to yourselves that you do not lose those things we work for. It's interesting because in some scriptures it said that we do not lose the things we work for and that we may receive a full reward. But in fact, the, the translation is best that we work for, but it's that you don't lose those things or you do lose your reward. So that personalizes this area uh, to be better interpreted in, things, in terms of the personalization of what this represents. So as Roy mentioned, the, the, the issue here is that you may receive subjunctive of full reward. Now, what do you think of rewards? I mean, what's, what's John turning to here in terms of rewards? Is this... Is this a new car or a new house or um <laughs> but we've mentioned that in prayer already. <laughs> so, so in other words, what kind of reward are we talking about here? And why is it described as full? Uh, ultimately is is this is this a reward we get here? Or is this an eternal reward? Well, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Believers, believers' rewards are are given after he leaves here, right? I mean, right. Okay. So this is an eternal. Is does a believer get anything other than a full reward? I mean, is, is there a gray zone in terms of other rewards? It hmm. seems like that. You know, if you look at the the wood, hay, and stubble, it seems like that okay. there are things that. <laughs> I'm going there. Okay, okay, go. So, so let, let's look at this a little bit more in terms of maybe the scripture that relates to it. And the fourth chapter of John, John says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So is that now or is that future? 
First Corinthians 3, 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. I mean, it has a very practical circumstance related to it, doesn't it? In terms of the day-to-day -day activities, in terms of the rewards of that. But this has much more eternal relevance, I think, than it does simply to the temple sequence in which it seems to be shared. First Corinthians 3.14, if anyone's work which he has built endures, he will receive a reward. And I'm going to repeat that down here. It's a JFMB again, of grace, not debt, fully consummated glory is the way he interprets fully. It's fully, you know, compensated in glory. It's not hey, Bob. And I think it turns back to, uh, again, what, what I just read before I'm going to go back and repeat that verse. Bengal says there's no half reward for the saints. It's either lost altogether or received in full and full <laughs> communion with God. Yeah. And again, Actually, I'm going to repeat. Roy had a comment. I'm sorry? Roy had a comment. Roy, okay, Roy, go ahead. No, I, I'm adding to what you're just saying. Look at that Second Corinthians 6, 1 again. Uh, okay. We then, as we then, as workers That's together right. with him, and in this context, it's actually saying the we is if you don't watch out for yourselves, um, the work that we did among you would be destroyed. And you would lose the full reward. It changes from we to you at the end as well. I don't know if that helps or not. That's uh -huh. nice. I didn't see that, Roy, so thank you for bringing that up. So then back to 1 Corinthians 3, 14, if anyone's work which he has um, built uh, endures, he will receive a reward. By the way, the next verse in 1 Corinthians says if it's built otherwise, yeah. it's it's burnt, right? Mm -hmm. It has no value at all. So I agree with Bengal that this is not, not partial rewards are not the issue here. And you know the thing is, we can go, we can become schizophrenic thinking: was that a, a, my fleshly yeah, condition, <laughs> or was that thing that I just I thought or did? Is that of the Lord? You can go crazy. You need to live a new life in Christ Jesus. We don't have to be cross-examining ourselves. And we know when we fall short, we confess and move on, and get back in fellowship. I mean, again, I think you can go crazy. We, there was a guy who was part of our Bible seven years ago who would analyze about everything, whether that was of the flesh or of the spirit. I mean, think about the life we would lead if we're paralyzed by examining ourselves to the extent that everything we didn't thought, we had to decide what the source was. And I would think, even in that circumstance, if any good things in terms of glorification or reward we did, we then we start taking credit for ourselves for doing it, right? Bob, you know, that kind of person is focused on himself. If, you know, in, in reality, yeah. he's so focused on himself, he can't focus on the Lord. So he already has taken the wrong approach. He's focused on himself and not Christ. I mean, not, it's not to the extent that we we don't look at ourselves. It's an imperative that we do look at ourselves. But the ultimately, you know, we could get bound down by this whole over-analysis of what the source of the, our lives, you know, looks like or what, what it is. So I think... And, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to convict us. If, if we're, you know, doing things and it's all out of the flesh and all of that, you know, I think the, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit's going to yeah. give you a little you know, nudge. That's that's the wrong the wrong source. <laughs> Anything yeah. we do, uh, it's God working through us anyway. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, any good we do is, you know, don't worry. Uh, Bob? Yes. Let's keep this in context. We just talked about the deceivers. Right. Mm -hmm. And watch out for yourselves. Don't be deceived would be the appropriate application here, I think. That's perfectly correct. And I think ultimately this does relate to uh, having a scriptural foundation that's faith-based and truth. You know, John's emphasized truth, too, repeatedly. So, uh, So I think... In context, it's in the atmosphere of deception, for sure. Let's turn to verse 9 now. Uh, Whosoever goes ahead and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ uh, does not have God. And he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. All right, so this is uh, he who goes ahead or transgresses. It's interesting. We'll come back to that in a second. That's present active. That means right now. He who goes ahead and doesn't abide in the doctrine of Christ, does not have God. So John kind of equates that to transgression, although many translations says goes ahead. So we'll come back to that in a second. Don't you find uh, interesting uh, that someone who goes ahead and fails to abide is the same as a transgressor? It really Hmm. states it doesn't. (laughs) I mean, it... I think the answer is yes. If we don't abide in the doctrine of Christ, we'll come back to that in a second, we're, we are a transgressor. We're not really of the Lord. I mean, that doesn't mean we weigh everything we think and do. It's that the, it's the doctrine of Christ, and we're going to come to that in a second. So, a couple of verses first before we address that. Why do you, your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. Okay, under law, right? He answered, Christ answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? (laughs) In a sense, I think the whole tradition within organized Christianity is maybe potentially in view of that particular statement. And the Gospel of John, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So that's a consequence of not abiding, and I think it really relates to what are we abiding in? We're abiding in the doctrine of Christ. So what's the doctrine of Christ? Well, actually, uh, New American Standard has teaching of Christ. All right. You're looking ahead at the handout. The doctrine's best interpreted as teaching <laughs> and hear of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, and, and in a sense, when we think of the doctrine of Christ, it's in fact the life in Christ we have that's scripturally founded and Roy's spirit-led. Yes, that's the doctrine of Christ. There's not a series of commandments that we need to abide in. We abide in the individual who is our new life in Christ Jesus. And now let's look at the alternative. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So whoever doesn't abide in the doctrine of Christ, the the salvation experience and the life lived out in this new spirit-led creation we are in Christ Jesus, ultimately he does not have the Son or the Father. And I, I think this really speaks, as Roger just said, to his teaching, doesn't it? So we don't necessarily go to the gospel teaching because a lot of that, other than the epistle of John, relates to his approach to Israel. 
and ultimately the upcoming cross before him. But, you know, just to conclude here, we'll share a few verses from John to look at the teaching as really is the doctrine of Christ. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak of my own authority. So even John says, it's not me. Ultimately, it's, it's, it's the Lord who in fact provides evidence of that doctrine. And this also really speaks in the teaching of others about him, doesn't it? Col Colossians uh, 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Again, the personalization of this doctrine lived out. Hebrews, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. John again, 523, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Again, both put together. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Again, the, remember the text says the Son and the Father is ultimately the abiding truth. And whosoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. And he who acknowledges the Son has the Father. And finally, from Titus, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine, born to exhort and convict those who contradict. So I think to summarize this section of false teachers part one, where the, the bottom line is where it be well-founded in biblical truth in terms of our position and how the Holy Spirit enables our conviction to abide in the doctrine, which is the entire teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. That really, re remember the jeweler, often the metaphor is a jeweler knows the true diamond for what it really looks like, and therefore the phony stone you can readily approve as a, you know, not a true diamond. So, you know, we, we study the scripture to know Christ personally, that ultimately we then can weigh off the deceiver and recognize him or her as to who they really are. Any comments uh, from others in closing here today? I'm just, just thinking without without all teaching on, on from from Christ on on the positional truth, uh, which many churches aren't teaching, this passage could be really devastating it, for it, a believer. Yeah, and I think when we introduced this uh, this series of lessons in. First John, we really said First John is really tough to really interpret and apply unless you're well-founded and positional truth. I, I just think, you know, if you go here, I overly simplify John's because say black and white, and he's pretty <laughs> really hits the nail on the head. Either you're in or you're out, and that's that's a, a bad description of maybe the epistles. But you're right, well, Wayne. It's, it's really John doesn't use the same terms as Paul did. Or we might, but but the doctrines of Christ—that's what he's saying. Because those are the doctrines of Christ. That's what he handed to Paul personally. But you know, the the human interpretation of doctrines is a, a list of some sort of things mm -hmm. that we have to follow. And this is anything other than, as Bengal said, this is all grace. <laughs> it, it's it's an entirely different principle that we operate in rather than a series of doctrinal statements that we must abide yeah. by. And that's kind of neat. 
I think it takes the pressure off, gives you a rest, and then gives you a trust that often that life is swept out by our faith day in and day out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The whole different message in it. Then we must follow this and do this. So. Any other closing comments or remarks? Okay, Andrew, would you close us in prayer, please? Oh, sure. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word and your grace and uh, the, the salvation that your son brought uh, to us. And we thank you for all things in him. And we thank you for this uh, wonderful study in, in John. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew.